Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Good morning, everyone. I'm here with Miles O'Brien, who's in for the vacationing Celeste Headley all week. Good morning, Miles. Good to be here. You know, I don't know if you watched or uh, took a look at the coverage from uh, Haiti over the weekend, but each individual story of people reaching out for help, the help not arriving, was, I think, emblematic of, of a huge story. You can't really even put into context the, the number 100,000, which is what they're saying, the death toll is It's to be. very difficult to get a sense of the magnitude of the problem and the, and the tragedy there, I think. And, and each one of the stories... It both tells a tiny slice and tells it all. And we've been relying on uh, uh, the remarkable team of reporters we have on the ground in uh, Port-au-Prince uh, from our colleagues, the BBC. Listen to Mark Doyle speaking with, uh, uh, having a conversation which is tragic and sadly typical. Any, any medical attention here? Any no, doctors, no, any no, nurses? Nothing, nothing at all. Nothing at all. We don't have no aid, no nothing at all. No food, no water, no medical, no doctor, nothing at all. You are the first one who visit us, sir. Mark Doyle, the first one to visit that community of people waiting for aid. The people in Port-au-Prince and around Haiti in the wake of last week's earthquake are fending for themselves. Jean-Yvon Kernizan, a Haitian-American survivor of the earthquake, what's it like to know that you're on your own? It's actually very hard, especially in the first hours of the tragedy. We were hoping that the people from the United Nations, the minister, would be of assistance to the people. But up until we left on Thursday night, we had not seen one single soldier even directing traffic. Well, Jean-Yvon Kernizan is a Haitian-American survivor in our studio who was there during the earthquake, as you just mentioned, arrived uh, back here late last week. Also in the studio with us is uh, Selena Ryan, a survivor, friend of uh, uh, Jean. Uh, good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. So, first of all, uh, Jean, just explain the story that, that happened to you. I mean, wh where were you when the earthquake hit, and, and just how did it unfold over the days before you decided to leave? We got home a bit late, and we were having a late lunch when it happened. And all of a sudden, it's like the whole table moved, hit the, the china that was next to it, and it took me a few seconds to realize what was going on. And it, with the help of the friends that they have a little more experience in earthquake being from California. Right. And we formed a chain. We were of, there were five of us, and we formed a chain and to, to get out because you couldn't do it on your own. It was so, everything was like moving around. And what happened to your home? Oh, thank God the, the home is still standing. We may have to assess the structural damage, but the home is still standing. But because it was still standing, Selena, it became the, the obvious location for a makeshift hospital, right? Mm -hmm, exactly. We um, Soon after it happened, we opened the gate into the courtyard, and people started streaming in from the neighborhood who were injured and needed help. So we did what we could with, with the small amounts of... Um, Medical supplies we had, like a bottle of hydrogen peroxide and some bandages and How many people? Water. Um, I think within the, the amount of time, um, up to 200 people came through at some point. One bottle of hydrogen peroxide and some... <coughs> and a bottle of alcohol. We actually had two bottles. We found another two. bottle in the house. Yeah. And what, what emotionally are your colleagues, your compatriots going through uh, in Haiti as you, you've seen these stories and watched the coverage since you returned? 
I think one thing that is very therapeutic for the people, especially the young people, is the fact that they were the one helping. Because it in in you 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 will you sense that when, when you are in a lot of pain and you're helping other people that are in pain, your pain kind of diminishes. And this is what happened to us and to a lot of people that were helping. At one point, you didn't matter anymore. It was more like because we were. We had no gloves, for example, and you know all the risks associated with dealing with blood and not having a, a gloves on, but it didn't matter. You see, the important thing was to be able to provide a little bit of assistance to, to the people that were injured. People in Haiti are used to fending for themselves in this situation, and while that is heroic, it also points up the uh, real abandonment of Haiti on the part of uh, the infrastructure which really should be there. How does the UN stack up? They took a terrible hit last week, but nevertheless, uh, are they to be relied on here, Selena? Um, I think in my experience um, being in Haiti before the earthquake hit, as we were talking to a lot of people, the the sense of the UN presence there is not a positive one, um, even before this happened. And um, we were able to see that firsthand that when the earthquake hit, they were nowhere to be found um, to to give any assistance. And even though they were hit hard, as everyone else was, you know, they're soldiers and they should be expected. They're, they're trained to be in these kinds of situations and um, need to be of assistance. They're trained for that. And uh, Selena Ryan talking about the peacekeepers who were nowhere to be found. Of course, again, we've mentioned that they took a big hit themselves uh, as a result of the earthquake. But uh, Jean-Yves Kernison uh, what about the police force in Haiti? What about the government? Uh, it was about the same thing. We finally saw them. It was at the first gas station. <coughs> we were trying to get some gas, and they came, blocked everything, and it's like kicking everybody out and took all that was available. For, I mean, for you're incredibly lucky to be here in the studio. How did you get out? How were you able to get out? Well... And I, I, I like to take a second to thank the people of Fort McGuire, uh, uh, the the base there, mm-hmm. Air Force Base at Fort McGuire. They were really, really amazing. I mean, they went out of their way to make us comfortable. We got out. We were on the second plane that left Haiti. Wow. And we started early. The thing is, at one point when we had nothing else, to no no more supplies, it it we thought that it would be easier if we if we came and let people know what's going on in order for for the people of Haiti to get for things to be moving right, a right, little right. bit quicker because it was so slow, and up until we left on Thursday night, no one had received not even a bottle of water. Well, basically, uh, based on your experience, and uh, we're, we're going to uh, leave it here, but uh, 12,000 U.S. troops will be on the ground by the end of today. That's a positive thing? And what I'm hoping is that they are there for the people, not right. to protect a segment, just a segment of the population. Right. Well, you're evoking a, a complicated history between the U.S. and Haiti. Jean-Yvon Kernizan, Haitian-American survivor of the earthquake last week, along with Selena Ryan. Uh, both were in Haiti and returned late last week. Thanks to both of you. There, uh, if, if you allow me, there is one little thing I like to say. Actually, we, we, we got we to go on that, but we'll put it on the website, okay? Thank you. <laughs>